So, just to squash any illusions you might have that our guests are walking in and out of our studio, it's now Friday afternoon and me and David have had to come back on so we can talk about what happened yesterday with Teague. Because as you'll hear in a bit, Maddie Sports was on Tuesday and none of this had happened. <laughs> David, you've been quite vocal about what's happened with Teague leaving. You could say vocal, you could just say more ballsy than me because I'm very much a fence What do you want to put into words about it? All I want is honesty and open communication. Like I said online last night, like we're all adults. We can handle bad news. It's like, if the club is struggling, tell us, because we've had radio sounds all season, and then Belly Leaves says what he says, and now Teague's gone to Cliverow when he was doing a stand-up job for us on an interim basis. Something's gone on. Oh, I don't need to know the ins and outs of that. All, all, in my opinion, and I think everyone's opinion as well, I think I'm just more open about it, is just tell us. If it's a case of, look, we haven't got the budget we thought we had, so we're having to reduce it, tell us. Darlington are doing a boost of the budget for January. They want 30,000. They got 10,000 in a day. Obviously, more of a fan base, so they are going to do that. Usually... When Lancaster do this, like for the name the ground last year, it got £3,000. That could pay someone, a manager, £300 for 10 weeks. That's better than nothing, isn't it? So I am sad Tiki's gone, so sad. The circumstances can be private, but there has to be a more broad conversation about the state of the club and where we're at. So I've said for a while that we are probably just about punching above our weight. If we were in the league below... You could fairly say with where we deserve to be with the stature of our club. If we were already in the eighth tier, I would probably be fine just staying in it. What I don't want to do is parachute into the eighth tier. We've just seen what's happened with Mask United. I'd like to hope that everything that the board do is for the good of the club and ultimately towards survival because somebody's putting the neck on the line to keep clubs like us afloat. But I don't know if this is anything to do with what the problem is. I'm just going to put my two pence in anyway. The difference between the 7th and 8th tier, I don't think is that much. I make it that we'd have eight big trips in this league. Worksop, Whitby, Morpeth, Matlock, Ilkston, Gainsborough, Mask, Baseford. So that's eight weeks where it's a bit longer than where you'd be going in the league below. Offset by bigger crowds, more games. So I, I don't think it'd be much of a difference. I could be speculating that um, that's the problem. Maybe it's not. Obviously, we need to cut the budget. I think I think we'll be fine this season. We've got enough points. Oh, God, I don't I don't want that to come back me on the ass. But we're too good. People won't leave this year. People will stay at the club, even if they want to go, just because they're all mates, basically. Like what happened at Kendall a few years ago. Like Sam Bailey stayed when they were sinking ship, just because they were his mates, and then he left at the end of the season. That might happen this year, and next year might be very tough for us. Yeah, I agree. I think I think we're closer to a Mask United situation then we're led to believe, in my opinion. Again, that stems down to not an honest conversation, but they may feel embarrassed to have that honest conversation with us. And like, fair enough to like Andy, Dave, James and all the directors and that and Amy, done well to keep us going, but it, there's no shame in asking. And if there's no, no help coming, that's fair enough. But like you said, statue-wise, we are probably like, a top eighth tier side, but I don't like you. I don't want to drop down to the eighth tier. Teague's gone to Clitheroe 
They're probably a bigger club than us. I don't know how. We used to go there all the time when we were in when we were in the Div One North, and they get loads more than us. And there's there's probably loads of clubs like that who you think of the name and you think they're probably no smaller than us. You know, you look at teams like Runcorn Linnets, stuff like that, Nantwich. They get they probably get more than us, and it's fair enough, which is why you could argue we are above our weight. But we're also aware that we're not run by Sheikh Mansour. We're run by local people who do a bit better than us. That's it. We're not expecting them to be pumping in indiscriminately. We know we've not got any money, any real money. We never have. Maybe that's why they're not telling us, because they think we know that. Maybe. what I'll tell you what Cliverow did, and they've done it now for the past two seasons. They dropped their season tickets to 50 quid. You, obviously, 50 quid for Step 7 football is ludicrous. For Step 8, 50 quid. And they're like, 800 people bought a season ticket. Obviously, they're not all going to use it. 800 people bought a season ticket. Yeah, I suppose you could just buy it and then go to four games and you've probably got about your money, haven't you? Yeah, so you... Eight... I think that's a bold strategy, to be fair. Yeah, and it's got to pay off. It's got, it has to pay off. And if it didn't, they wouldn't have done it again. But they've got two seasons running. They've flashed their season tickets incredibly and people have bought it and... Obviously, that gives them an early cash injection. Obviously, we, we, we also had an early cash injection, but we only have 76 season ticket holders. And our season ticket is one of the cheapest in the league at 150. That's probably a bit reasonable, then, then, <laughs> then you get into the realms of what we've spoken about before is how the local community, they're not really interested in Lancaster City because there's just so many football league clubs around us. But obviously it's the same for Clivero, but it's a strange one with Lancaster, isn't it? And we could talk about that for hours and hours. David, I am emotionally and physically spent after the events of New Year's Day. <laughs> oh, mate, it was wild, wasn't it? Oh, my days. I said to you in the first half, if we get beat, I might not come again this season. And it was looking like you weren't going to see me till August. I know, mate, I know. But I don't know, there was something in me when the board went up six. I was like, yeah, this is on. So I'm glad Evangelinos got his golf after coming back from injury. I do some serious other and slating on this podcast. However, I feel like I have to justify myself. When they took points off us, the other and team of... Up until August, I could take it because they were big mutants who just matched you and you could understand why we couldn't beat them. On New Year's Day, they were a far better football inside. They are a far better football inside than they've ever been. However, we were walking into the last third without even trying, whether we passed it or we knocked it. So I thought, if we can't win today, good grief. And then we scored two at luckiest goals we're probably going to score. I keep watching the highlights back just for the limbs and you haven't a clue who scored. But the subs worked at the end of the day. Not in the manner they probably meant to. However, who cares? Certainly not me, my mate. Keeper was getting a lot of stick on uh, on Twitter. But to be fair, I think it was fair game because we, we were just angry giving him loads. And then he started playing up to it. But then he got an absolute faceful, didn't he? Off Lawson and Carroll. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think there was a bit of a bit of head loss from him 
especially with obviously batting, batting back to us. But then obviously Norris was backing into him in corners all first half. And then when he swapped with Jacob, it was still happening. So I think he's just had enough and something's gone off in his head. We're going to cheat a bit on this this episode. We're going to use Atherton, go over that as well, because otherwise there's only three games in December and there's another seven in January anyway. So we're going to add it. What's on the agenda today then, mate? So we're going to start with a look back at 2023. We're going to get Madeline Whitehouse, head of media at the club, to have a look back at the best bits of the year but for herself and the club. And also we'll chuck in our two pence with as well. And then in the second half, we'll have a look back at the games. So, should we start by getting Maddie in? Crack on. Thanks for joining us tonight, Madeline. It is much appreciated. No worries. Evening, both of you. The year 2023, we've had some highs, some lows, some indifferences. Have you got any? I think I've got quite a few. Um, but I think the, the main one that always springs to mind for me would have to be non-league day back in March. Um, obviously, we, we beat our attendance record that day, which we've gone on to beat multiple times since. But for me, that was kind of the, the catalyst for everything that we as a team, um, so obviously myself, David and the rest of the media team, um, actually achieved off the field in the season, to be honest. And, and since then, um, it was the first kind of big event that we, I would say, had control over and kind of got to do exactly what we wanted for it, which was great. Um, David has mentioned previously all the planning that went into it, started back in the January, uh, argued over a font, was the only argument, still not settled. Um, but it was a fantastic day and I think it was a day that really restored the connection that fans had with the club and that was our, our main aim of it. So if I'm looking back over the whole year, that really has to be the one thing that stands out for me. And in terms of the non-league game as well against Hyde, I think it was um, quite unlucky not to feature in the match of the year, though. Obviously, it's been outdone by three quality games. That was a game where Jake Connolly was still injured and ended up scoring the winner. Well, yeah, I did see Ryan's comment on Twitter about it not being featured. Um, but Ryan, I don't think you actually submitted it to the, the vote. So um, there's that. But yeah, it was it was a phenomenal game, I think, both off the pitch and on the pitch. A lot of the times at the Giant Axe, especially in my experience, we've had really good performances on the pitch and the attendance hasn't really shown that. Or we've had a really good attendance and the performance on the pitch hasn't necessarily lived up to it for the fans. And it was just a day where everything just went as perfect as it could be. Um, there's still no way there was only 833 on on that day, though. It was easily a thousand inside the Giant Axe. First of all, that was scathing. But you're right, I didn't submit it because I thought surely to God... Somebody else will. Also, I fully agree. It was, I say easily. If if Macclesfield hadn't have happened, it would have been easily the best day of the year. It's it's still still top for me, considering the season was over, really. And not to stoke the fire before we play them in a couple of weeks. I think it was the, the beginning of the end of their playoff push. I think it just took the wind out of their sails a bit. And then the results came tumbling down with it. Um, so, focusing more on the pitch, obviously we had the match of the year vote. Which one did you vote for, Maddie? I actually voted for Hide Away because, well, a few reasons, um, but that was probably some of, if not the best football I've actually ever seen a Lancaster side play. 
Um, I thought that we were clinical, we were dangerous. The press that we had on that day, I'll admit, before this season, I've watched football, you know, all my life. I'm 27 now. Um, but before this season, I never really, I, I, honestly, I never really understood what I was watching. You watch the game, you enjoy it, you go home. And I've put a lot of effort this season into really understanding all the work off the ball. Um, and it's credit to that team because everything they did off the ball that day was, it educated me. Um, it taught me a side about football that I didn't understand. Um, and obviously the weather was fantastic. Uh, we got the three points with a fantastic win. And at the time, it was about a 15 minute drive home for me. So it was the perfect storm. Have you got any highlights of this year, Ryan? I would have to say, as I just said, hide easily. Macclesfield, mask because I thought we were... I thought we were going to get to the fourth round, if I'm honest. I booked work off and everything. I had I had everything sorted. I didn't go to the third qualifying round against Ashton. We had a... Since as as you asked my life story, I'll tell you. Um, we had a, someone's birthday in Manchester, and I thought, oh, I can't miss the qualifying round. But I thought, if I miss this, I'm either, I've either made a good decision if we get beat, or we're going to get another one. And we got beat, so it was a great shout. I think... Ashton away last season was unrivaled. Um, three 0 up into half time, forced them into subbing off Del Whitham at half time, and then second half comes around and we're still battering them and battering them. And then performance that is similar to Hyde. It was just a case of just continuing to batter them and batter them, and it was just an overall fantastic performance. Fairly blaming me for beating Atherton on Bank Holiday Monday in August it was also a personal highlight. Which I also repeated on New Year's Day by saying we'd not won on New Year's Day since 2017. So it's your fault we've done the double over calls. You I, re- I remember that. I remember that interview now. It was literally Craig asked his question and he was itching, to, itching to say it, wasn't he? He definitely already <laughs> decided that he was going to mention it. He had it there, ready and waiting, and Craig just opened it up beautifully for him. He'd already said it to me in person just after full time, and then he wheeled it out to the public. I think another highlight for me off the pitch is um, I'm a geek for a football kit. So doing the kit launches and choosing the kits as well, that's a good one for me. Uh, I'm sat here with the um, increase in sales as well. So a 22% increase on home shirts, a 100% increase on away shirts. And that third shirt where we saw the 100 of that equates to a 669% increase in sales. Is this Dragon's Den? This is fantastic. Honestly, it's it's gone on my CV. Like, numbers like that. And I think you're right, David. Like, we were just two fans, really, who you obviously love football kits and I love Lancaster. And it just was a perfect storm. Um, We learned a lot, I think, doing it. I think I actually making mood boards at one point. Um, not that you'd probably want to admit that to the world, um, but it was just great. And I think that for two people who've never done anything like that before, um, we executed scarcity in marketing absolutely perfectly with that. Um, and obviously, a thanks to Feli for, for letting us get involved that heavily. Um, I'm sure that we were very annoying, uh, constantly badgering. And I'm pretty certain, David, at one point you were practically camped out at 17. <laughs> yeah, I was. I just remember, like, commandeering like the shop floor because it had like artificial grass on it just laying all the kits down taking photos but when when i saw them um sales increase numbers all i could think of was just like wow 
we have done so well here. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And I don't think that you often pat yourself on the back for something like that. And we're always the first people to congratulate, you know, others on their achievements. But it was just fantastic to be involved in. It was an absolute pleasure from start to finish. Um, and I think that the sales numbers speak for themselves. Um, and hopefully, you know, people wear those shirts with pride. I know I certainly do. The, the skyline that we uh, designed on it is now tattooed on my arm. Um, so I'm the second person now to get that tattoo. Um, and I think it just shows kind of, you know, the pride that we that we have in the city and in the club. Also, I love the fact that David sat home looking at two graphs. One, shirt sales. Two, listening figures. Which for some reason, Slawney can take all the credit for that because they've absolutely skyrocketed. <laughs> I think it might have something to do with the news which happened in November more than Slawney. But Slawney was very good. Uh, I think he's one of my favourites of the year. Honestly, when, when I messaged him. After, I was like, oh, you've picked a month to come on. And he was like, yeah, I know, don't worry about it. I had to actually message him after that podcast because it made me cry. And I know a lot of things make me cry, but the way that he spoke about the club. I think, as well, his performances this season, he's he's standout player of the year for me. I, I don't think anyone else is close, really. He looked twice a player, just... and he didn't look bad in first place. No, exactly. I, I can't think of anyone else as a footrunner a player of the season really I think Carol's done well yeah the last three Sloan has been fantastic I actually think that Sloan and Carol really complement each other well um, obviously the time when when Calps was out I think it was due to suspension could have been injury could have been both um, Carol had to play a much more reserved position obviously he loves bombing forward loves getting involved and the way that him and Sloney played together it was almost like they were helping each other out to know where they needed to be to play a slightly different kind of game for Carol and I think since that period of time they've both just absolutely shot yeah, He's happy that Sloney's back now because he can just bomb forward and be an absolute wind-up merchant. We definitely wouldn't have him any other way, though, would we? Ending the year as we have, I think credit must go to Tegan Grandy for keeping the the Dolly Blue ship going in a straight line. When a manager moves, it can. You, sometimes it does go off the rails, but I think credit where credit's due, I think they've done a grand job. They really have. And hey. actually, <laughs> very good. The um the last point I put on my list of, of things for, for 2023 was actually Stafford away. Um, obviously, a 4-2 win is always going to be good. Um, but for me, the most important thing that came out of that day was the togetherness within the squad. Um, not only everyone playing for, for Teaguing Randy, but even on the coach back, the atmosphere, the togetherness, the commitment from all of the lads who were there was just absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's a credit to them. Because it's difficult enough for us as fans when, like you said, a, a manager moves on. But I don't think we put enough into how difficult it actually is for the lads and that kind of uncertainty for them. It mustn't be easy having to go into that dressing room that has been roughly the same for, for five years, in terms of management at least, um, and, and go out and commit and play the same. Um, and I think just credit to all of them because it could have gone very, very differently. But they're a very, very special group of people. Um, and they've certainly been fantastic for me. They're my rocks. Um, and so I just appreciate, you know, them sticking. Have you got anything else to do with 2023? Um, I think pre-season was really pivotal for us as, as a media team. Um, and our main aim of it, again, much like non-league day, was to engage fans as much as possible. As fans ourselves, we know how important it is to feel a connection with the club. 
um, and that connection hasn't always been there. So we really wanted to kind of, you know, try and improve that. And to be honest with you, I think I'm going to look back at it um, as my favourite time here at the club. Because obviously as a fan, who wouldn't dream of being that close and so ingrained in all the goings on? Um, but again, credit to the lads, staff, um, credit to the management, because me and David were so annoying in pre-season, sticking a camera in their faces, asking them the most bizarre TikTok questions. Um, but I really think that looking at it, it really did kind of set the, the stall out for what we wanted to do as a team. Like I said, the connection with the fans was so important. And if we could bring the fans closer to the lads on the pitch, to the management, to all of that, um, then that's what we wanted to do. And I really do think we achieved that. So it's probably, whilst non-league day was my favourite moment, I think this will be my fondest memory of, of working for the club or volunteering for the club. You've done well there because you're pissing in the wind in pre-season because it's crap and it's tough to get any decent content. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of it was kind of selfish because we just wanted to have fun. Um, and me and David, I think we, it's fair to say we did have a lot of fun rocking up to training constantly. Um, much better in the sun than in the rain, which is probably why the TikToks have, have gone away a little bit. Um, but yeah, pre-season was a good chance to just try out some different kind of content, just play around with it, see what landed well with fans, see what people wanted to see more of. And hopefully I think we did a the issue was one which landed well with fans um, was inside pre-season and that was the one which took the most work to do. Um, by the end of pre-season, I, I honestly had the thought of carrying it through. So it like a season like documented behind the scenes, but by pre-season it was just so hard work. And I did commit to do one for the uh, FA Cup first round week and that's my fault we didn't go for it. All or nothing, Lancaster City. <laughs> So we've had a look back at 2023. Do you want to have a go at a quiz about the year 2023? I forgot about this. Come on. You know I'm going to do terrible at this, right? So it's the questions, then. they're not the easiest. It's more, you'll hear the answer, you go, all right, that's the answer. As always, Quizmaster's final. Uh, Just shout out your answer when you think you know it. Question number one. Lancaster City have played 48 competitive games in 2023. How many did we win? 20. Any advance on 20? 18. The answer is 21. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll break it down for you, for all you stat fans. So, overall, won 21, drawn 12, lost 15. In last season, it was won 9, drawn 5, lost 7. This season, won 12, drawn 7, lost 8. The FA Trophy qualifying game counts as a draw. Always pessimistic going less than 50%, but good shot. So, we played 25 competitive games at the Axe. How many did we lose? Six. Higher or lower? I'm going to go four. It's three. It's only three. I knew that it was good. I didn't realise it was that good. Our home record is played 25, won 16, drawn six, lost three, scored 43, conceded 24. The defeats were Gainsborough Trinity last season on April and then that week where we lost to Ilkston and Ashton United. I've not seen seen any of them either. I can't believe I went so high. What was the highest official attendance at the Giant Axe? Was it a thousand? 
it was a thousand. FC United on the eleventh of November, and then the second highest was Hyde United, eight hundred and thirty-three official. I think though, unofficially, that's higher than FC United was this season. I completely agree. I reckon that for Hyde for non-league day, we probably add at least one thousand one hundred. You're gonna get us done for then, tax dodging here. <laughs> oh well. And then. Third highest FC United again in February, 823. Then Macclesfield, 649. And then Geisley, last game of last season, 593. Who are the top goal scorers for the year 2023? There are two names. Oh, my word. It's a tough one, isn't it? They both scored eight. Charlie Bailey. Charlie Bailey is one. He scored eight goals. Who else has scored eight in 2023? Evangelinos. He scored six. It's Dom Lawson. I'll put you out of misery. Dom Lawson got eight. David Norris got seven. And then you've got Sam Bailey, Connolly, Evangelinos and Simon Grand on six. Sorry, Dom. How many different goal scorers did we have in 2023? Uh, own goal isn't counted. 10. Higher. 12. Higher. Well, we've both got it wrong now. Just tell us. It's 18. Wow. Um, I'll quickly rattle through some names. So, Charlie Bailey, Sam Bailey, Cal Brownhill, Brad Carsley, Jake Connolly, Nal Carpathway, Nick Evangelino, Simon Grant, Jacob Hollow Wilkinson, Tom Killerfin, Dom Lawson, Jamie Mellon, Rudy Misambo. Oh, remember him? Very well. Oh, he's in he's in the National League North team of the week every week. Where's he at? Uh, Farsley. Is he still there? He was playing in second gear. David Norris, uh, Owen Robinson, Christian Sloan and Andrew Teague. <laughs> we had him on, he's at Marine now. We had him on loan from Sunderland. I know who he was. He's going to score against us, isn't he, when we play him again? Two players scored hat-tricks in 2023. Simon Grant Charlie Bailey. Oh, Simon Grand and Charlie Bailey's correct. I don't know much, but I know that one. We have used six different outfield kits in 2023. Which one has been used the least? I was in three kits for both seasons in the year. Correct. Last season's third kit. It is last season's third kit, the purple one. Why I mean, that was just some deductive reasoning, to be honest. <laughs> but you knew the answer. And which game did Lancaster City play a World Cup winning goalkeeper up? South Shields. <laughs> it was. South Shields away on the 4th of February. Keeping it on the goalkeeper theme, how many goalkeepers have we played in goal in 2023? Four. Any advance on four? I'm working it out. I can't remember if we had any loan keeper oh. for half an hour last at the end of last season. I'm going to go for three. It is three. Uh, so, obviously, we've got Andre Mendes. We had Louis Forshaw at the beginning when he was suspended. And Sam Weller was keeping Curtis Anderson out the side until he left. Has Anderson not played in net this year? He's he's had a game for Kendall. No, I mean for us. Yeah, you played once and it was outfield. That's brilliant. <laughs> and then the last one, and it's a, it is a toughie, but you might get it if you think about it which is the only side we have played against three times in the league in 2023. Other than Coleridge? No. 
works off. I know works off weren't in the league last year, were they? No. I, f- I forgot that New Year's Day was this year. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough. What did you say, Maddie? Oh, ignore mine. I'll put you out of your miseries. It's Stafford oh, Rangers. I was just about to say Stafford Rangers. I promise you. I played them in February, August and December. I think we'll call that quiz a draw, eh? The winner is you. Football's always the winner, is it? You're going to give us that spiel. <laughs> Football is always the winner. Thank, Thank you. you very much, Maddie. Cheers for having me on, lads. No right. worries. Thank you. See you Saturday. See you Saturday. It occurred to me that when we were discussing player of the season with Maddie, somehow none of us mentioned Grand. I know. I know. He's been class. He has, he has, to be fair. As I said, there's loads of candidates. It also occurred to me that we might be stirring the pot with what we were on about before. However, it's only a, a surprise. Well, it's not even a secret to anybody if they're on social media. If they're not on social media, they won't be listening to this. Exactly. So... Everyone knows, or should know, have a, have, a, have an idea of what's going on. I'm, I'm surprised that no one mentioned Andre for Player of the Year as well. He's done he's done really well. Nice little courtesy shout there, mate. We've also just lost Maddie in the last 10 minutes before <laughs> recording this. She's not dead. Every, she just every, stepped out. Every part of this pod is now outdated. Hello, Andre. Andre, we're not going to drag you into anything political we <laughs> we're not just striking while the iron's hot we're gonna keep it strictly football thank you i was actually thinking about that before and i was like god it all happened in the worst time possible hasn't it because i'll just be thrown in deep end here but i appreciate that andrea how did you come to be at the club what's your background god so sounds a bit of a strange one everyone tells me that so i was at benfica and then it just I just had an opportunity to come to England just to try new things, you know, college and stuff like that. Uh, well, would be school at the time. And then uh, I knew someone here that took me to a few trials and then took me a trial to Morecambe and that's how I ended up being there. And then obviously once I left Morecambe, um, I have a friend that knew Rob, the assistant manager, and he spoke to me. I got invited to a session pre-season, and they liked me. Before we get into the month of December, how do you rate your season? I'm happy with it. I like I've I liked how I've been playing and stuff, just because uh, what I've been looking for in the past two three years is consistency. First, play regularly, which I have been. I think since uh, since I've been able to play, I've played every single game, and then consistency in terms of not having really you know, be making mistakes all the time and then other games, uh, you know, make unreal saves. I think it's been pretty consistent, like, performance. So I've, I've liked it. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with how this season's going, with the number of clean sheets we have. So we'll go on to look at the games which were over December and the Christmas period, the way it's Stafford. One of the performances that, for the whole Christmas period, is that we absolutely dominated for the first hour and then... They've got a couple back, but it was finished off again by Tom Killifin. There was a bit of 
excitement at your end when that fourth went in, didn't it, Andre? <laughs> uh, that was, that was. You know, so yeah, I agree with you. We battered them the whole game. We were on top the whole game. Um, and then they bought that big lad up on uh, up top, which causes a few problems with like flicks and stuff like that. And, you know, and then corners. I, I didn't, I didn't know he was uh, an own goal on that corner until I actually saw it on Twitter. I think on Twitter it says he was dumb. And I just told me he was killer. Um, but yeah, after the fourth goal, I did get a bit excited just because I always have a bit of banter with the fans behind the goal. Um, and, you know, after they scored their first and second goals, they would give me all sorts. And then obviously we scored the fourth goal and I knew that was the game done. I've, you know, I didn't say anything anything bad to them at all. It was just purely celebrating, uh, looking at them and facing them. And they just lost it. And then, you know, there was... Um, a few words not so nice said to me and a few things being thrown on the bit. Can I also ask a question about the celebrations? Because I know you all went over to Ireland for the Christmas do. Dom Lawson did river dance with, with the lads coordinating celebrations over there. No. Uh, to be honest, 90% of the times we score, I don't even look at the celebration because I turn around and I just start celebrating by myself. But I think from what they were talking about in the change room, I think that had something to do with Brad because they were apparently the fans were giving Brad some stick. Um and then Dom just did that. So after the the game away at Stafford, it ended up being a workshop at home two days before Christmas. A nil-nil draw it wasn't wasn't the most flattering of games, but not many teams will stop workshop scoring and we've done it twice. Exactly, yeah. Uh, they're doing very well, aren't they? Um, they're doing pretty well, to be honest. And I feel like, to be honest, I can't really remember some games after I've played them, uh, especially because this one was what, three games ago. From what I remember, we had chances to uh, finish the game. You know, we always knew it was going to be a close game, considering where they are in the table uh, and considering their quality. We always knew it was going to be a close game. And it was those little chances that we should have taken that we didn't. But we did, we did uh, our job at the back, and we kept we kept a clean sheet, and you know that was much as as much as we could do. Um, and to be honest, I think it was a fair result at the other day, even though we could have finished the game. They're a huge side, aren't they? I don't know why they didn't start Hughes up front because he scored loads of goals. Charlie Barnes actually did really well late on. He he took one off his head at the back post when he was just about to nod it in. You had more to do in the first half because the wind had loads to do with it and we penned him in in the second half. I reckon if the toss had gone the other way, you'd have had a very difficult second half because they'd been lumping balls in. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I remember a bit more now because uh, it wasn't a pretty game at all, especially as you said in the first half when we are playing against the wind. It's always a bit of a dilemma uh, when it's windy like that if you... Some players rather play against the wind in the first half. Some players rather play against the wind in the second half because obviously you have to deal with long balls in a different way. But uh, yeah, it could have definitely been a different game. Um, luckily, I think it worked out well for us the way we played with the wind in the second half because I think they didn't have many chances. We're going to move on to Boxing Day. We've still not won on Boxing Day since 2008. I think I've just about got it out of my system. But I am going to rabbit on about it before I get you to weigh in because I like the sound of my own voice. We made Bamber Bridge look so average in that first half. It's probably the best I've seen us play in years. We were so intense despite the conditions. But I'm not upset about that because I'm sure our pitch would have done the same. I think they've done well to get the game on. 
we didn't give them time to breathe, but we were so wasteful with chances. Now, <laughs> I'm going to give a fella here. I don't like to talk about the refs, but I'm going to. Toure has possibly given away a penalty on Lawson. He's then not fouled him, but he's been penalised. If it's a foul, it's a red card. Charlie probably knows he's got away with one. Lawson should probably have another pen in the second half by their keeper. And then he sent him off for Lawson fouling him. Worth noting their keeper played well as well. He just did everything he had to do well. <sighs> he won it with a stunner. Oh, it was a very, very frustrating game. As you said, you know, it's not good to talk about refs, but sometimes it's just inevitable. You know, it was one of them games. I remember there's countless opportunities in that game where I think the ref should have done better. Like exactly like the ones you mentioned, for example, um, like the red card in the first half. If that red card comes out in the first half, because it's pretty early on, them playing with 10 men for most part of the game would be, a, and while we're on top of the game, would be a very, would make a massive difference than if, obviously, than when he got sent off, which was late in the second half. And then I think, I can't remember if we were drawing or if we were losing already at that point, uh, if we are chasing the game, to be honest. But yeah, it was such a frustrating game. We had everything to win it, literally everything. We've done everything right. We massacred him in the first half. Uh, we just didn't take our chances. And then when we got in the change room afterwards, we just said, because we were on a good run, we were unbeaten for like, I think it was seven games. And then we lost that one and we said, we can't let the same thing happen as last time where we were on a good run and then we lost a game and then he just went downhill. We need to pick up straight away for the next game. Yeah, it was 1-1 when he got sent off to... Uh, yeah, we couldn't have done any more. The intensity in the first half, it would have been impossible to keep it up for 90 minutes. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. We, we should have killed the game in the first half because then... They are quite a young side and obviously we have a few experienced players and at that time we had D on the sideline, you know, we have Grandy playing, uh, had Nos I think Nozzle was present as well and stuff. So they been in situations like that. So if we were winning in the first half with like let's say we've already got three goals, uh, I think we'd be able to manage the game much better. And then New Year's Day against Atherton, it's gone right the other way. Probably didn't deserve to win. First half we've dominated the game without having too many chances, just walking into their last third. It was it was quite comically easy at times. And then a bit of a mistake for their equaliser. Really good second goal by them. And then probably two of the luckiest goals we're going to score all season. You know, after the first goal they scored, I kicked off a little bit. You can probably see on, on the highlights and everything. Which, you know, and it, it happens in the heat at the moment, but... After that, she had to compose ourselves and then they came out with a second goal, which I know their striker, to be fair, and we had a little bet before the game and he ended up scoring. He's a good finish, good header, bottom left corner, so there's not much I could do about it. But, you know, the lads did ever so well to, to keep digging in and go get those two goals because we, we put so much pressure on, onto them afterwards. Um, and that's something that I wanted to mention is the the lads they got they came on, it was three lads, it was Nico, it was Nico, Clarkey and Jacob. Um, they did so well like you can see you know after with everything that's been going on at the club that the lads just want to work for each other and it's just so good to see what's going on like everyone working for one purpose um, and even though they might not be getting as much time as much game time as they would like as soon as they're on the pitch they just forget everything and just want to go work for that one purpose Yeah three different trajectories in the seasons of those three Jacob's 
been involved quite a lot. Nico, well documented, was injured and really happy for him that he's come back. Keith Winder put in the supporters' bulletin today about Matty Clark and how well he did after barely having a chance. It's tough to push Sam Bailey out of the side. Oh yeah, definitely. Those lads, I can have a... Uh... They haven't had a single bit of bad attitude, you know. Jacob is, even though he's, you know, as you said, he's been in and out. He's always worked, always worked his ass off, um, even when he was out of the team. And Nico was so unfortunate. And as soon as he comes back against Atherton as well, which is when it happened, uh, comes back against Atherton and he scores a winner. It's lovely to see. And then Clarky, he's a very quiet guy, but again, as you said, it's not easy to get Sam to take over Sam and. He came on and he did such a good job uh, putting balls in the box and you know bringing energy on that side, especially because that's where we're exploring. Not easy to push Kyle Brownell out of the side either and he sometimes plays on the left, so he's got a bit of a job to try to get a wing-back slot. Moving on, did you train last night and did you know? I didn't. I, I was there last night, but I didn't train just because it was something I've got on my Achilles at the moment, so I thought it would be better not to train. But I did. we were made aware of what was going on. Always in those situations, it defends from player to player. Some players like to comment on it a bit more. I just like to stick to, you know, the, the least I can. Uh, all I, I want to say really is Tiggy was a massive asset for us, a massive asset. Um, as a player, obviously being our skipper, and even when he became the manager, the interim manager, I think he was doing such a good job. And I think he understands even more. I think he helped him do the job as a manager. The fact that he was a player because he understands how he's feeling. He understands he's been inside the pitch this season, so he knows he gets the feeling for what we need and what we don't need. So, you know, that's that's all that really I can say. He's going to be a massive loss for us. We probably know as much as everyone else does. So tomorrow is as far flung a scenario as you're likely to get from playing at the Giant Axe. You're going to be playing in front of 3,000 in the seventh tier. It's not like any of you are strangers to big crowds, but these don't come round often, these games, and it might well be the only time we play them. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Again, we have, even though everything's going on, I still believe we can, we can go up, you know. We're getting to playoffs, and then I think we're right in the mix. But yeah, you're right. It's not not many times that you get a chance to do this. I think we can go. We're gonna go on tomorrow and put a, a good show, a good game. I could not predict the score. Definitely not because it can go either way. I've generally got no clue how it's gonna go, but I think it's gonna be a very good game. Uh, we're definitely gonna put everything we have out on the pitch. And as you said, with the crowd, even though. Uh, I'm sure we got and again, again, you guys always bring a great support, uh, but most part of the crowd will be on their side. It's going to be a tough one, but a good one at the same time because really there's no pressure on us. You know, with everything's going on, people are looking at us and be like, you know, expecting kind of Macclesfield to win, but I think we can definitely go and surprise. Just a side note, actually, yeah, with Mask resigning from the league, we are five points off the playoffs and we've moved up to 10th. You know, it's a shame what happened to Mask, actually, because uh, he was... We played them in the... I think he was in the FA Cup this season. We beat them 4-1. And, you know, no matter what you think of a club, I think when something like this happens, it's always a shame because you don't want to see any clubs. They work so hard to get to the position where they are and then stuff like this happens and they just got to, you know, ends up crumbling. But not trying to be nasty or anything, he worked out kind of well for us just because... Obviously, we didn't play them, so he didn't affect us. But he took, he took, or he will take. I'm not sure actually what the situation is at the moment. If they decided to take points away or not, but if they do decide to take points away from the teams that already played them, they'll bring us much closer to um, 
the playoffs, and I think we might still get, have a game in hand. Yeah, we will have a game in hand. Last time it happened with no therapy, they um, they resigned from the league, and all the games were taken out of the record. So, as a beneficiary of it, we won't lose any points. But other sides who have beaten them will they'll lose points. When that happened, we'd we'd taken four points off them that season, and we were fighting to stay up. So. <laughs> Is this is a much better scenario for us this time round, as tragic as it is, of course. Anything else, Dave? No, not from me, mate. I'll see you tomorrow morning. You will, mate. Thank you very much for joining us, Andre. And Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'll see you tomorrow.